there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they go about their lives and do their thing and stay sane and stay in it. That's what I love to talk about. My guest today is someone I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while. Glenn Hansen is an illustrator whose work you've seen everywhere on animated TV shows, in magazines like GQ and Entertainment Weekly. Um, You've seen his work on t-shirts and mugs, the Golden Girls uh, design that he does. I feel like I see that everywhere. And um, I just bought a bunch of his prints for my own room of Olivia Newton-John, three different Olivias. Um, And I'm in love with them. They make me smile every single day. Um, He is just brilliant. And so I wanted to talk to him about his work and how he does it. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to uh, get a plug-in for You Don't Know My Life. That's the party game I co-created with Jeb Havens. The holidays are coming up. I think it's an amazing gift, especially as folks are getting back together. And you can buy it on Amazon or at YouDon'tKnowMyLife.com. And we're also still doing virtual game nights. So I can host you like a game show um, if you have an occasion you want to celebrate um, on Zoom with folks from all over the world. We've been doing a lot of um, corporate events. And we have people in different countries... Uh, all playing together at the same time. It's pretty awesome. So that's enough of the plugs. Here is Glenn Hansen. Joining me now via Zoom from Los Angeles, it's illustrator Glenn Hansen. Glenn, we're making it happen. It's happening. Dude, finally, you are the most patient and understanding of fellows. I've admired your work for so long. And um, I'm trying to remember when we first met. It was the first or second year I lived here. Right. Which would have been 2002 or 2003. And it was at a Xanadu screening. At was it a Xanadu screening? The Egyptian and Gene Kelly's wife was, do you remember that? Yes. I now have a Xanadu drawing of yours in my room that I see every day and it makes me smile. I didn't realize you were a lover of Xanadu. I just thought it was one. I was there at the screening. Yeah, but I, I just didn't connect. Ask my now parents how many times they had to listen to, to me sing along with that friggin' soundtrack. Right, and I see you have the Olivia Newton-John Totally Hot album behind you. Am I am I mistaken? You're not mistaken. So you're a brilliant illustrator. I when I was a kid, I dreamed of being a cartoonist, and I liked to draw. And I think a lot of kids like to draw. But when did you know you were really good? When you when did you know you were better than your average kid that thinks they're good at art? Well, all I can go by is what my parents told me. Right. And I was very, very lucky that to this day, uh, my father saved all of my drawings. Oh, my gosh. And he cataloged them by month and year. (laughs) So if I want to see what I was drawing like in, you know, like September of 74, there's a file. Um, And then later, so... You know, I mean, obviously pre-kindergarten, I was just drawing at home, but I was very mesmerized by the animated shows I was seeing on television and, and Disney and, and the Flintstones and Hanna-Barbera. I mean, all, you know, yeah, all of that stuff we grew up with, I just wanted to replicate that. I wanted, I studied it, you know, intensely and I would sit there drawing in front of the television set and then... You know, we had to work much harder with our memories when we were young because there was so far less out there in terms of, you know, there were no DVDs, there were no videos, there was no, uh, if you didn't see it when I was on TV, you missed out. That was it. Yeah. Your and only you hope could, is that they would do like a magazine or a novelization yeah, or something. something. Yeah. And yeah. so I became very adept at studying and uh memorizing the details that I saw and um so I mean you know when I went to school in kindergarten or grade one uh within a a few years I was known as the the kid who could draw really well I certainly wasn't good at sports so that was my thing did you love it right away too it was pure love it was pure um instinct to to sit and to draw and that that it remains that way it remains um you know of course I've spent most of my life drawing but 
it is hardwired into me to like, I look at your face. I immediately think, how would I draw that? Right. How, how would I analyze your features in two dimension? And, you know, it's just how I see the world. And, and if I can just, you know, oftentimes if I'm watching a movie and sometimes I don't watch things because it, I will literally just have to draw as I'm watching it. I will, it has to come out of me and I can't turn that off. So if I don't have time to do that, or I don't think I can see that drawing through, I won't watch certain things because wow. I know that it's going, that's just going to happen. I'm a writer and I procrastinate. Uh-huh. Even though writing is my thing and I, on some level, I love it or whatever, but I put it off. Do you do that as a, as an artist? Well, I do procrastinate a little bit and it's kind of, because it's instinctual. Um, for me, the important thing is to let it flow out. If the inspiration is there in whatever moment, I don't mean to contradict myself in what I just said previously, but if I get an idea in my head, even if I don't think I can see it through, I have to get it out. I have to sketch it out as roughly as I can in that moment. Right. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a spiritual person. Um, I'm certainly not a religious person. But it comes from somewhere. That energy, it's, you can't turn that flow off. I, it's, it's unhealthy <laughs> as a creative person to turn that flow off. You have to let it, those moments, those magic, because that moment will never be replicated. It will yes. never, ever come back again in the same way. And what happens in that moment is pure. It's the channeling of energy or inspiration from my brain that popped into my brain, out my fingers onto a piece of paper. Do you find yourself like drawing on napkins on airplanes and coasters and uh, in other no, words whatever you make do wherever you're at if you're if you're inspired it depends if i'm discussing a project and i happen to be out like you know over coffee with someone or dinner the best way for me to describe what's in my head is for me to draw it you mentioned that you're a procrastinator i think that i am too because <clears throat> i want it to come out in those bursts if i have right. to force it I mean, as a professional, you do have to force it. You right, have you have clients, right? Yeah, you have to, you learn to take this thing that you can do, whether you, you know, instinctively that you do out of joy, that you do out of inspiration, and you have to be able to get yourself motivated, thank you, coffee, and, and <laughs> produce. Well, I feel that way about writing, and it's something that I see as a craft and part of my identity. But there are times where it just feels like laying bricks. Like my, oh. I don't want to use my mind in that way right now. I would rather do anything else. Yeah. yeah. Do you have that with drawing? Yes. Where you're Absolutely. like, I think I'd rather shingle the roof. Yeah. Than, yeah. Okay. And good. so I always have to, I have to get my brain into a place. It's like, where can we find, how can we find that moment? How can we, what part of this job, like, you know, because I still draw by hand and then scan and then color digitally in Photoshop. So I don't always feel like drawing, but right. I can sit in front of a computer and work on Photoshop because that's, it's not monkey work because there's still a lot of thought that goes into it, but it doesn't demand as much inspiration, as much um, that tactile, the energy level isn't similar. It's a different way of using your brain. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, for both of us, the creating part uses your brain in a certain way that sometimes feels like I'm not in the mood to do that, but I am in the mood to do the other thing. Like, yeah. you know, um, it's so interesting that you experience it that way. Um, when I was in high school, my choir went to Disneyland and I saw one of those people that did caricatures <laughs> and I thought they That's were- That's my nightmare, by the way. If it's that, your, it's I your always, nightmare. That's what I always, it's like, uh, the day, and not to disparage the, the, some of those, you know, theme park caricature artists or the people around Central Park. I mean, I am, I, 
I uh, am astounded at what, or portrait artists or whatever, I'm astounded at what they do. I mean, they have to do it on command in the moment in a very short period of time. But, and I think a lot of people come to me, you know, not professionals, but, you know, ordinary people who want to have a picture of them drawn. Yeah, do me. Come on. I'm not the guy outside Universal City Walk drawing people. Right. It takes me more than five minutes. Right. It's not going to be a big head and a little body. And right. <laughs> you know, do you like surfing? Do you like to ride a bike? But, yeah. But when I got those at that age, I loved them. I thought they were miracles. I thought the guys that could do that or the women were miraculous. They I, are. They I thought are it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. It's a great exercise to, to do that. I've done it a couple of times and it, it's a great it's a great exercise, but I find I hate being observed when I draw. I oh. my focus is off. I hate it. I loathe being observed. That's why you don't see videos of me on Instagram doing your thing. Because I hate the second a camera is on me while I'm creating, I become self-conscious and I cannot That's... fully focus on what I'm doing. That is interesting. Working naked for, for OnlyFans is, is really out for me because I would be way too self-conscious. Oh, so that could be a thing. You could. It that could be. If I wasn't it could be a thing. Wow. All right. I. You know what? When never I need say that, never. When I need that extra income. Never say never. When you <laughs> start, I'm going to draw a person. Say you're going to draw somebody, a well-known person. Uh-huh. What do you do first? What do you look at first? Oh my lord. Well, it depends on a. If it's someone who's had a long career, right? Um, which, quite frankly, are really the only people I'm interested in drawing, because you have to have, you know, you have to have a, an actual persona that, and you have to have, I don't know. I mean, there's there's young pop stars uh, that are that would be. I mean, I really want to draw. I wanted to draw a little Nas. I wrote that down. Look at this. Lil Nas X. I wrote it down. I'm obsessed yeah, I have with that. Wanted, I wanted to draw him all year, and I've been so busy that... And the thing is, that's the other problem for me, is I can't just do something that looks like crap. If, you know, there's this pressure that does inhibit me creatively that if it's not up to par, I can't post it. I can't well, show people. And I also notice in in your Instagram and on your website, and also you you do a, a lot of merchandise through Hunties, is you don't do twenty seven Madonnas. For me, anyway, I will deep dive into every piece of of reference, of documentary interviews, uh, still photos, everything I can find. Because I'm not going to do a complete job unless I am channeling that person as best I can. That's interesting. And with Madonna too. I, there's not one single image. I've drawn her like five or six times. Right. And there's just so many art incarnations. But there's right. not a, a boilerplate. With Golden Girls, there's a boilerplate Golden Girls image. I have no desire to draw them again because I've done it. It's done. Never right. going to get better. Ever. Well, that's the image I feel like I've seen them. I've it seen is. Them It'll be on my gravestone. What's about, that? About, it'll be on my gravestone, that one. Okay, so that's the image I've seen the most in the world, and that, you would say, is the image of yours that is out of the it, world. There are about, I would say, no joke, this is even what I'm aware of, there's about 20 people walking around on the planet with that tattooed on them somewhere. Wow. Which is like, that's just beyond, that's a unbelievable compliment it's unbelievably amazing but you know the other thing i've learned about how people respond to images is there are images i feel like i really nailed the person better than others there are images that technically i love that i'm really proud of right and then there but they're not always the ones that people respond to people don't respond they're partially responding to my technical ability but the other thing they're responding to is their memory, their appreciation for the subject matter. The way it so makes when they go, oh my God, this is your best. It's like, no, it's not my best. It's the one that resonates most with you. So that's why you love it so much. What's it like when you're out and about and you see somebody in a t-shirt? 
I love it. It's amazing. I was like, I did that. And do you, and, do you say hello? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good, you should. It'll like make you're wearing day. me. You're wearing me. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a huge, huge compliment. I mean, the biggest, I've had a couple mind-blowing experiences this year. Uh, one was when my inauguration women image went viral within a day. That would, I yes, it was gorgeous. That yeah. image was Jennifer Lopez, Lady Gaga, uh-huh. Jill Biden, Michelle uh-huh. Obama, uh-huh. Kamala Harris, and uh-huh. Amanda Gorman. Uh-huh. Um, all in a row, just being amazing. Um, it, they were, it was, it was a, a moment. It was a moment of color. It was a moment of after such a dark dark four years and particularly a dark um 2020 yes horrible election a horrible early january it was a moment where it was and it was all that was so female strong we had never seen that and then there's a female vice president this country had never seen that kind of thing before yeah It, it again it resonated with people in that moment in a way that i could never at my desk have predicted i i did it in two days. I just, it just, you know, it's like I was inspired and I did it. I will have to be topical with social media and it just spread like wildfire. I mean, Amanda Gorman shared it. I didn't get credit for it. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, all right. Just, all right. Good news. Yeah, bad news. I mean, that's, that's the bad, that was the bad part was that's why I put my name over any image that goes on social media because I learned a long time ago that once it's out there, forget it. It's, yeah. it people think it's it's public domain. So when it, when it goes out there, something goes viral <clears> like that, do you get a lot of messages on Instagram? What does yes. it feel like? What it is was happening? way more than I could handle. You, you mentioned there were two big moments recently, uh, I, the inauguration. When Sharon Stone wore my t-shirt. Uh, Sharon Stone yeah. wore your picture of her from Basic Instagram. The basic, yeah, uh-huh. And out in public, or did she take a picture? Like she what? posted a picture of her wearing it at home um, oh. with nothing else, <laughs> and holding a, a simulated cigarette, and that went viral. Amazing! Did you connect with her or reach out or anything like that? I followed her. Yes, um, I, I. That was given to her by a friend. Nice. And I connected with the friend who nice who's. I, it was, I followed me on Facebook and, and stuff, but yet again, I didn't get credit for that until, um, some people had to intercede on my behalf. So, I mean, that was beyond thrilling. Uh, For sure. Amazing. Um, and, and the fact, the fact that she didn't, you know, want to have me killed was also good. There you go. I like it. Um, are there other celebrities that you've drawn that you've had, that you've gotten good feedback from or yes yes and some have hired me um subsequently like uh, cheyenne jackson has hired me a few times to uh, i had drawn him way back uh i think in 2007 for um as the character in xanadu on broadway of course and uh yeah and uh so he saw that, and and uh, and then when he did uh, a couple of other Broadway shows, he hired me to create the uh, a, a caricature image uh, in full color to give to the other cast members. It was very very generous of him as a opening night gift. Oh, I bet and, they loved it. Yeah, and then he hired me to do just this past year to do um, the Call Me Cat cast. So they oh, all the, have the sitcom. Yeah, they all have large color prints. And then last year, I drew Leslie Jordan for his birthday, and people saw that. I mean, you know, Leslie was, if anyone other than Jeff Bezos uh, um, benefited from the pandemic, it was Leslie Jordan. Right, he blew up on Instagram. And he hired me to do two images for T-shirts for him. And then just most recently, um, Billy Porter is using my illustrations on fans uh, that are in his upcoming music video. Like fans that... Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are the illustrations of? 
So two that I had already created of him, one of the Oscars red carpet uh, Christian Soriano dress and the Love other it. one that I had done of his pose character. And then I created a third one um, of the Met Gala. I love that. Is there anything you hate to draw? Like, oh, I hate, can't draw hands or I hate, or like things where you're like- I don't like drawing cars. I don't like drawing machinery. I don't like drawing guns. I don't like drawing- Interesting. I don't like, I don't like mechanical things. I like organic things. Yeah, you're not going to be doing Transformers anytime soon. No, that wouldn't be my thing. Interesting. That, that is interesting. Do you ever get turned on drawing sexy guys? Is it, it, it no. is it work or is it? No. It's not? Okay. Tom not Finland it. made that comment about his stimulation level uh, while creating. I think that's a fallacy. I don't think one can maintain a constant <laughs> sense of arousal for, you know, hours and days. Uh, maybe, you know, Vibra didn't exist back then. But, um, no, I mean, uh, no, it's a technical, and, and the same if I have a live model in front of me, right? maybe, you know, a hot guy once, which I haven't had for a long time, but once I'm drawing, I'm not, that's a different headspace for me, right. no pun intended, or pun intended, I don't know. I am obsessed with fonts and typefaces just Mm -hmm. as a layman. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about them a lot? Do you analyze them? Do you have favorites? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I employ typefaces a lot for, um, for my work, um, particularly on merchandise. So yeah, I love it. And I love, you know, I, I love anything that involves design. So whether it be type or, or costuming or, you know, what I love about living in LA is you can walk around or drive around and I have a little game I like to play. I like to peg the year a building was built by the architecture style. And I can usually nail it within five years. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, when you're choosing a typeface for a project you're working on, can it take a long, long time? Yes. It has, it has to be the right one. Yes. It has to fit the mood of the, the thematic of uh, the illustration. Speaking of the Bond flick, they use the Love Boat font. I know. I did think it was kind Is of that weird. hilarious? Yeah, but I also thought, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Like, it's so... Oh, no, I love it. I think it works. And I think if you don't know that it's the Love Boat font, it works fine. It's it's great. And I think their poster design campaign, just like the poster design campaign for Wonder Woman at 84, was brilliant. There was a lot of brilliance there that... um, But it's also like you expect, do they start with the Love Boat theme, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, what is your preferred medium? Do you do you... Uh, pencil and paper or pen and paper? Pencil and paper, and then you say you color on the computer digitally um, in Photoshop. Yes. Yeah. There's something that happens with a pencil, not a pen, which I do ink, but a pencil and paper, particularly in the rough sketch stage, that a line is kind of there, but it's also not. There's something Ooh, that's interesting. It's something between the lines that 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 helps make the magic of the the image working. That if you were to do it on a computer, it's not going to be the same. It's, it's something not- about the human organic yeah. hand on organic paper with an organic pencil or pen. That cannot, I don't care what brushes are offered digitally, it can't be replicated. Because it's how your hand touches the paper, whether it touches the paper. It's, it's, you can't replicate that magic. Yeah. Nothing can. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. On uh, National Coming Out Day, you posted an Instagram video where you talked about how it was not easy to be out in the, when you were first starting out in your career. No. Um, yeah, talk so, about that a little bit. Like, because we, I think a lot of people think, well, it's the arts. Of course it's open, but it's not necessarily, right? Well, if that's the irony is there's two, <clears throat> two fields that I worked in that were very homophobic. 
not homophobic, not overtly homophobic, not certainly um, expressively homophobic. Right. There's, someone came up with a brilliant, a, a friend of mine or someone that I knew, they called it a soft homophobia. <laughs> I love no, a soft homophobia. <laughs> yeah. Where no one says it. Yeah. But you know how unbelievably uncomfortable they are yeah. with it. And yeah. no one wants to talk about it. Right. So, um, you know, I began work professionally in animation. Most of the people, there are, yes, there are gay people working in animation, of course. And more now than there were then, at least where I was working. Um, and it was perfectly okay for them, the straight people, to talk about, you know, their husbands and wives and relationships and dating and da da da. But it was like I couldn't bring it up. It was just I just knew that it wasn't welcome and it would make them very uncomfortable. Right. And it would also put me, it, it would, they would get a certain idea about me. It wasn't worth it. it. It wasn't worth it. You know, granted, I was pretty daring in the, <laughs> some of the clothes I wore. Sure. Not necessarily flamboyant, but um, I certainly was stylish and i would wear them to the studio i wasn't working remotely i was you worked in a studio right workplace and um you know but i was go-go dancing at the same time and uh, you know there's a lot of things going on at the same time but what the, the the worst part was not so much what you couldn't talk about personally about your own life right but the fact that there was no space for any kind of openly gay positive content mm. on it sends a message you know we all we live we're haunted with no matter how much work we've done we're haunted with the messages we grew up with now there we know that there's a market for these things yeah it's but pretty the exciting has changed so vastly over the past 10 years just yeah. to, night and day to what it was yeah it's good you also posted something on july 4th that was so interesting on your instagram that i'm a bastard yeah well, yes but also that you you were adopted but but did like an ancestry.com kind of 23 uh-huh. and me thing uh-huh that's so interesting and it is that i still don't know all the puzzle pieces because i still can't find my my birth mother but Yes, I, when these things uh, came up, like 23andMe and Ancestry, I joined both of them. It's like, I was adopted. It was never traumatic for me. It was always, I loved my parents and, and they were very, very supportive and helped me a lot. And, you know, um, my adopted parents, and I was adopted from birth. So there was no kind of weird adaptation process. Sure. Um, but I was also just, I just didn't know what, I was like, am I Jewish? Am I Middle East? I was like, you know, I have a big nose. I like, I'm hair suit. What am I? I just never knew. So I wanted to find out. And um, I did. I, I went on that search and um, sent out messages to the closest DNA relatives that took years for some of the, literally years for them to respond to. What what's the closest blood relative you found? I found my half brother, and I found my birth father through him. Wow! I mean, he hasn't. My birth father hasn't done it, so I don't have that DNA confirmation. But this is undoubtedly both from the DNA and from, um, you know, he asked his father, who's still alive. I was like eighty-five and doing pretty well, Sicilian. he asked him, it's like, because I told him the story. It's like, this is the information I was given that I was, that my birth mother was in the U.S., which was wild because I was born in Canada. And she had a relationship with this guy. She got pregnant. He didn't want to claim responsibility for it. She, I don't know if she was Canadian and went back to Canada or whether she was American because it was much easier to cross the border at that time by covered wagon or she was a dinosaur mm-hmm. and um she had me up there in ontario so you know i know the date of when i would have been conceived and i know obviously know when i was born um so he 
asked his father and, you know, his father had a dim, a, a dim memory of a young woman that he had met uh, who was the sister of a client. So my, my birth father was a heterosexual hairdresser, which I think is so frigging awesome. I love it. That's very glamorous. And it's very shampoo. Yes. It's very, very shampoo. He didn't look like that per se, but yeah. he it was like, he told his son, his other son, that having sex with women when you're a heterosexual uh, hairstylist is like shooting fish in a barrel. And I thought <laughs> that it was. I love it. Have you met the half brother? I haven't. We've FaceTimed. We've he, you know, we've talked about it. And had the pandemic not existed last year, I probably would have. But uh, I haven't traveled at all. Yeah. He's in in um, Lake Tahoe. Is there a resemblance? There is. I mean, he's a couple years younger than I am. Right. Um. But I have other half brothers. I mean, he, he's got a, a brother, and then my birth father had had a brother previous in a previous marriage, which he was in when he met my birth mother. Right. So he has like four kids. Um, I have this fantasy of having a long lost relative that I end up like really clicking with. Have you jo- have you joined? Oh, I I did twenty three and Me, but I don't think there's I don't think there's any mysterious. Um, <laughs> uh you know relatives out there for me but i do i do think it's such an interesting thing that it is and 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 now i know that there's a town in sicily that um a lot of that family is from because my grandparents on that side came over from sicily so um that i have to go over there because the pandemic has just ruined a whole aspect of this yeah you know, but it's a relatively recent thing. This discovery. It was last. It was the late summer of 2020. I love it. Um, going back to your work, what's your dream gig? Uh, to do another animated show. And that, another do, animated do, show. I I really don't. You know, I can keep farting out single images till the day I die, and there's a market and. I assume that as long as I can draw, people will be happy with them. But it doesn't, it has no deeper um, satisfaction for me because it's not storytelling. It's not yeah. um, expressing the depth and the breadth and the experience that I have to share. And I find that, and I also find that people, um, they put you in a box and they think that's all you're capable of. And Mm. they don't think you have anything deeper to say than regurgitating pop culture. And I just, yeah, I can do it. I know I'm good at it, but it's not, it's not, it's less than I'm capable of. Right. And so you would love to do an animated show where you create it from the. I would love to have, you know, Yes. I mean, not, I don't even care quite so much about being involved with the visuals. Of course, I'm always going to have a say, but it's more the content of it. It's more about being able to express. Again, you know, you, you live for a certain amount of time, you learn a certain amount of things. And I think it's our obligation as creative people to share that, you know, particularly if it's going to, if it's going to empower, I mean, I'm really about, I won't use my talent to do anything negative. And I really had to stop myself um, from 2016 to 2015 until last year, because I do have a very sarcastic. Right. I mean, my, in high school, the only reason I survived high school that was sent to a religious private school, um, was to satirize the teachers, was to satirize it in comic strips. And I ripped, I ripped them. <laughs> and I look back at that. That is so savage. good. When you're a 13 year old boy, 14 year old boy, it's savage. We were savage. And I would just show it to my friends. It would just be a laugh for us to, I right. did a full comic strip, a full over the summer. I did a full comic strip 
uh, a satirical comic strip uh, using the faculty as the empire of Star Wars, using the faculty, all the major faculty figures that we all disliked. Oh my God. As like Darth Vader and, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin and all, I took the whole story because I had the record, the story of Star Wars. Yeah. And I literally, I literally had the word, I still have it. I still have that comic. Oh, I want to see it. That's amazing. And so that was my way of dealing with the hypocrisy and the the bullshit and the people I didn't like or the people who bullied me, you know, right. I would satirize them. But, you know, you, you, what you do at 14 and what you do um, as a mature, a hopefully mature adult. And I just don't think in this culture that there's any purpose in, there's so much toxicity out there. I don't think there's any purpose in, right. in anything other than positive and empowering. We don't I, don't, I don't need to add to it with the no. caricature of Kellyanne Conway, for example. No, no, no. And I don't think that's why I was given the gift that I have, even though I had to stop myself numerous times. Right during the former presidency, numerous, including last Christmas, I wanted to do a parody of um, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Right. Um, I was going to call it A Fucking Christmas Carol. And it was right, Melania. Melania. Melania visited by the ghosts of three former first ladies. Oh, who, <laughs> And it would have been brilliant. It would have been brilliant. My brain does think of these things. It would have been brilliant. But, you know, can you imagine Jackie admonishing her for what she did to the Rose Garden and and even Nancy Reagan? She'd just slap her across the face. I mean, um, so, you know, I think of these things and they amuse me tremendously. And it's like, I can't do that. I can't. This doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel like what well, you Well, it does about. feel right, but you know, it also takes time. Size. Yeah. It's always a time issue. And um I came really close to doing that one. Like really close. <laughs> Were there little test sketches? Oh yes. I okay. wrote it all down. I rewrote a night before Christmas. Ah, okay. It was a okay. night before Christmas and all through the house. Uh, anyway, I wrote it all down. I have all the notes. That's a solid Melania impression. I have to yeah, say. I was going to do the whole friggin' thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, tell people how they can find out more about your work or anything you else well, you want to promote. The best place right now is, is Instagram, which is yeah. at, at Instaglen Hansen. What's the most offbeat job you've ever had? Did anyone ever hire <laughs> you to do something weird like? Draw the well, I didn't take the eye. job, but I can tell you what. Yeah. The most, I'll tell you two bizarre. Yeah. One is really bizarre. So there's a chapter of my career, and I don't really draw a lot of guy stuff anymore, but there was a chapter of my career after doing nothing but mainstream work where I drew, I became quite well known for my beefcake illustration at yeah. the same time as I was doing mainstream stuff. Right. And of course, that that's kind of like doing porn in the sense that it never really goes away. It's like people will still think of you that way. People will still, it kind of follows you like a stink. It's not that I'm ashamed of it. It's just that that too is a very limited form of expression. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, so I had, there was a magazine, I think it was DNA. I know it was from Australia. They did a whole layout on my work. Oh, cool. Someone sent a letter to the magazine and they forwarded it to me. Nice. Uh-huh. So they had <laughs> taken one of my illustrations and they had photocopied it and printed it out. And then they had drawn over it and it came with a letter. So what they asked in the letter was that have I ever drawn a man lactating? Wow. And what they had done with my illustration was they had overdrawn um, milk coming, spurting out of his nipples. And so it was just so friggin' bizarre. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so there, were, there was that. Okay. Then, what's the know. other one? 
The other one was more offensive than it was um, bizarre. Okay. I was contacted by someone two years ago about doing a caricature of Damon. Oh, interesting. Like, sure. And this is going to, they're going to use uh, merchandise. And so, you know, I took the job. I was like, yeah, I haven't drawn her yet. That would be fun. Great, great person to draw. And, um, you know, I'm used to a client giving feedback up to a certain point, but I, I trust that at this point, my instincts are usually pretty good with like right. pretty much right off the bat. Not always, but most times. Right. This person started getting really specific to the point that they sent back one of my roughs with a photographic head plastered in there. He goes, I want it to look like this. I said, in the history of my career, I have never been sent something like this as feedback that I am to, in a caricature version, replicate photo, photographic, photographic, you know, I'm more photographic. That's not my style. That's not what you hired me for. It's right. Like, no. And I think you've got the wrong person. I'm, I'm happy to give you back the money because yeah. again, you learn, get at least half the money up front. That's what I've learned. Unless it's a big corporation, you know they're going to pay you. You get half the money up front. Um, Learn. It's like I'm not doing. I say like, I'm not. No, I'm not. I think it's best that I say no to this. I'm out. You've done a lot of different things and worked in a lot of different mediums, but I know from my own career as kind of a freelancer, it's a hustle and a grind. And and you yet, I'm, but I'm proud where I'm proud that I hung in. Right? Yeah. Do you feel it that way about your work? Yes, absolutely. I, I haven't said it yet, but I am going to say it now. I'm kind of scared. But even though I'm not on camera, I think I look damn good. I'm 56. Damn right. I have been working since 1987. And I could have started working even earlier, but I didn't want to work on cameras. And that was the only game in town in animation in Toronto at that. I loved you. You weren't into Care Bears. You were like, no, thanks. No one was into Care. You know, thank you. <laughs> if you walked around, if you walked around the studio, they <laughs> they had a big incident because they had a, a a reporter, a journalist walking around the studios of Nelvana. Now you've got a bunch of twenty-something guys working on this cutesy, poo-poo, stupid, yeah. fucking animated. <laughs> And it went on season after season yeah, after season. Big hit. Yeah. And so they were, they had, the only way you can survive doing that kind of shit full time is, you, again, you have to satirize it. So they had Care Bears on skewers. They had Care Bears being crucified. They had these drawings over their desk. And the journalist mentioned that in the article. Oh, no. And, oh, my God. The studio was freaking out like yeah yeah so when beetlejuice came along at the same studio it was like a breath of fresh air it was like finally something that's not cutesy poo poo kitty yeah. crap um so the fact that i'm still earning a living i don't have to do anything else i don't have to not that there's no shame i mean i was i was stocking shelves in a in a drugstore chain before i was professional um, the fact that I have not had to do anything but some facet of my creativity to earn an income since I was 24, 23, uh, and I'm still working, is amazing. If you're not adaptable, if you don't, you know, you, you talk about scrambling. It is scrambling. You yeah. never know where your next job is coming from. Now, maybe I will be that guy outside your rental city Right. You and I'll come and get a I'll come and get a caricature and I'm gonna yeah. I'll and I'll feel like you're a magical person. You might find me dead on the on the floor of my park <laughs> before I do that. How has Instagram changed what you do? Oh God. The bane of my existence is people who trade digitally trace photographs and post them as illustrations. Now, some of their techniques are very, very good and right. they have huge followings and kudos to them. But I, it's like you're a cheater. 
You're That's a cheating. Cheater, 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 cheater. And I'd love to name them. I'd love to call them out on Instagram. I thought about it. Glenn, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so it has democratized work greatly. It is bullshit. It is great. It is horrible. It has filled me with more stress in terms of having to post, yes. in terms of having to tag, in terms of having this, this, you know, I started my career for 20 years. All I had to do was just do the work, right? do the work, send it in and, and it would get printed or, right. or be on TV or whatever. And you're done. You're done. You do, and it's great that I can connect with people who like my work. I appreciate all of, I never, ever do not thank people for compliment. I think if someone sends you a private complimentary message yeah. and you are too much of a douchebag to respond to them, I think that's, that is so, you, I think it's inexcusable. Final question. Why do you draw? It's not a choice. I have no choice. You have to. I have to. I have to create. I've come to understand that if I can't create, I can't live. And I'm not joking here. If I couldn't create for some reason, I wouldn't want to live. There'd be nothing to live for. That's why I'm on this planet. That's beautiful. I love it. Glenn Hansen, thank you so much for the conversation. I love talking to you. I love your work. I love seeing what you're up to next. And I love having your work in my in my room. I get to see it every day and it always makes me smile. Oh, thank you. There's more stuff coming. I can't wait. Yay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again to Glenn Hansen. Check out his stuff at glennhansen.com and on Instagram. All right, so this happened. Um, I've been seeing a bit of theater lately um, now that people are returning to the world. And I got to see Hamilton for the third time and just sob. I cry more every time I see it. The next day after it was over, um, I had a crying hangover. Is there such a thing as like, oh, I cried last night? Because I, I felt like I had a crying hangover. Anyway, my friend Rebecca ha- had bought tickets a while back and um, was nice enough to invite me. And we saw an understudy in the role of Hamilton named Trey Frazier. I believe he was an understudy because the... Uh, there was an insert in the program, but man, he was sensational. So good. And uh, I also saw a show called Seven Guitars, the play by August Wilson at A Noise Within in Pasadena. And I've been going to this theater company for decades. And I really um, have seen so many great things that they've done. And I put Noise Within on my dream board as like, okay, things are going to open up again. You know, I did my, it was my pandemic dream board and it happened. It came true. So, but what was kind of fun about it is the actor that played the lead is named Deshaun Terry, and he's on The Morning Show, which I've been watching on Apple TV. Uh, He plays the African-American host that does The Morning Show with Aniston and Reese and um, always wants to uh, get, you know, bigger opportunities is kind of his character's journey. And... um, Speaking of the morning show, I watch that show and all I see is the money. Like they have so much money, you can tell. It feels like they just have a million dollars for every minute of screen time. But also it makes me never want to work in television again because everybody acts like the show is the most important thing in the world, which is very true of that world, at least in my experience, but they're all miserable. So it's kind of like, I this job is the only thing that matters. I also hate it. Um, but I think that's kind of true. I think that's kind of true uh, of that world. So anyway, those are my thoughts. And uh, it's nice to get out in the world and see some plays and some TV and all that good stuff. So thank you for listening. And we will catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.